Hi, I'm Sam. And I'm Sean. And this is a special bonus episode of I Pledge Allegiance to Red Zone, of which I don't totally know what we're talking about. So, Sean, can you please tell the listeners what the topic of this conversation is going to be? Yeah, so uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, so this ep- episode's going to be about uh, partially about Brian Flores, but mostly it's going to be about um, I'd say the upper management problem that the NFL has had and continues to have um, that is going to be brought to center stage by Brian Flores. Um, so those of you that don't know, as Sam will probably not know either, unless maybe she remembers me talking about it, um, but the NFL in uh, 2000, maybe 2001, it's been, it's been around for 20 years. Um, so... The and NFL? Was, no, this rule. Oh, it's like, how are we in like Super Bowl like 50 something if we. What? <laughs> I literally said this rule uh, in the NFL. Oh, sorry. I just heard the NFL. Okay. Uh, but there's a rule called the Rooney Rule. And uh, it basically says, and it, it, it gets modified all the time, but in essence, it says that. Uh, whenever a team is hiring a new uh, coach, and at first I believe it was just head coaches, um, and I think it's evolved to become head coaches. I know it's also um, general managers. It, I don't think it has anything to do with uh, like director of player personnel or scouting departments, um, but I believe it also now includes offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator um, possibly special teams um but i don't believe that it applies to like linebackers coach or offensive line coach or any position coaches um i think it's just major coordinator and head coaching as well as general manager but the uh so the gist of the rule is that for every position that you're filling um from whenever this started, around 2000, 2001-ish, um, you have to interview at least one minority candidate. And so that's the basis of this Rooney Rule. And they implemented it because they thought, um, they thought Johnny Cochran was going to sue the NFL. Um, and Who's that? So Johnny Cochran uh, was a uh, he was an American law- lawyer and he was a civil rights activist, okay. uh, and he was also uh, one of the lead uh, defenders of O.J. Simpson, like lead attorney defenders. Okay. Um, and they were worried that he was going to sue the NFL um, for basically breaking civil rights laws and not giving equal opportunity to everyone okay um and if you know in the nfl as of right now today is february 1st 2022 there are 32 head there are 32 um teams five of them do not currently have head coaches i believe it would be i think it's five it would be the saints don't have one 
The Dolphins don't have one. Um, who else doesn't have one? Uh, the Vikings don't have one. Um, I'm going to blank on maybe a couple. Maybe there's only three that don't have head coaches because the Giants just hired Dayball. Um, oh, the Texans don't have a coach. Hmm. So that's four. I think there's five. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm probably just not going to remember the other one. Um, but so of the 27, there's one black head coach. There is currently one. Currently one. It's Black History Month. 27. February. Are um, black head coaches. And... Are all the rest of them white? Like, is there any Asian coaches? There or is like one Muslim. Hispanic? Robert Sala. Okay. And the rest are white. Wow. So there's 25. There's no, like, Hispanic or Asian besides, like, Middle Eastern or Muslim? Unless I'm missing someone. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I'd, I'd think of it pretty quick. But there's one. And the reason that it's so major that there's one black head coach is because seven over 70% of the league is it's black. black. Yeah. So you have a league that is dominated by... African Americans, and they have virtually no representation in coaching, mm-hmm. general management, and especially in ownership. Yeah. In ownership, are there? Is there? There's one minority. The Jaguars owner, Shad Khan. The Jaguars. That's the other head coaching vacancy. There we go. Um, Shad Khan's the only minority owner. Um, was it Sheila Fordhampton? Um, is that the woman coach? Yeah, Sheila Ford Sheila Fordhamp. Sorry, not Hampton. Sheila Fordhamp uh, is the Detroit Lions owner. Oh. Uh, she's the only female. Um, she's a white woman. Wasn't um, there? Isn't there a woman who's like a the first woman coach of some sort in the NFL? It, I she, that she did work for the 49ers last year. Uh, or no, two years ago. No, I'm thinking of a black woman. Yep. Yes. She worked for the 49ers two years ago. But she doesn't anymore? No, she doesn't. She parted ways with the 49ers. She wanted to... I mean, I obviously don't know. But from what I know, she wanted to explore other hmm. um, coaching opportunities. Okay. Um, because she wasn't going to get promoted within the 49ers at the time. Okay. Um, but... So the reason that we're having this episode is because since the Rooney Rule was invented, and it's re- I mean it's it's a little bit ironic because a couple one of my podcasts that I listened to about football was was talking about it this uh, this week just randomly. What day is it? It's Tuesday. Last week, just randomly, that none of these. The NFL will never be sued for this clear violation of the Rooney Rule and clear violation of hiring practices that they engage in every single year because of the Rooney Rule. And because if you sue the NFL, you will never work in the NFL again. It's just a fact of life. Wait, so they'll never get sued for like... Something relating to diversity or discrimination. The only person who's ever sued them never played a game in the NFL again. So, mm-hmm. um, 
Josh Lambeau. Was it Josh Lambeau? I believe it was Josh Lambeau. uh, Was the kicker who came out and said that Urban Meyer assaulted him, basically. That Urban Meyer was literally kicking his kicking leg, which is like hitting a painter's hand with a hammer. Yeah. It's like you're literally the only thing he does is kick a football and you're kicking his leg and possibly it's like his source him. of income. Yes. His livelihood. Um <laughs> and he hasn't gotten a one call for a job opportunity since that. When was that? That was this year. Um and that was like what's that was the last straw in the Urban Meyer saga uh-huh. in Jacksonville and he was fired like a a couple hours later, I think. Okay. Maybe a day later. I feel like I kind of remember talking about that earlier. Um, but, it, I mean, it's very well known. If you if you break this hierarchy of trust, mm-hmm. as in if you come out against any of these people, you're, you're just not going to get hired again. You're not going to get a job. And so this is really historic because Brian Flores today filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL. Wait, was he the Dolphins he was coach? the Dolphins coach that was fired. Yeah. And he, I talked about him a lot. He's a yeah. really unbelievably good coach, uh-huh. really good head coach, unbelievable defensive coordinator. Um, and he filed a clash of action lawsuit against the NFL and all 32 teams. And so, wait, I thought that the NFL is the teams. Uh, but like you can sue the teams. The teams are individual businesses. Oh, so he sued every single one of the every teams. Every single teams for basically collusion and corruption. Oh my god. Um, so, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. Um, one of the podcasts I listen to, though, um, Pro Football Talk, the host, PFT. Mike Florio, is a lawyer. I don't know if he's still a lawyer. He was a lawyer for like 20 years, though. I don't know if he still has his license to practice or whatever. But he went to law school and he did all the stuff. Well, yeah, he was. He practiced, he practiced. law for like 20 years. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so what I've learned from him is that the big parts about this is that, it, one, it's a class action lawsuit, which means it is not individually Brian Flores yeah. suing. It means anyone who has these aggrieved complaints can, can also sue yeah. within this lawsuit, yeah. which means any minority coach that has been discriminated against mm-hmm. can become part of this. Whether they will or not, I'm not sure. Because, I was just going to say, do you think like putting, retired coaches might, that like aren't at risk for not working in the NFL again? I don't know if they would be, they would be able to... Like prove? Well, no, I don't know if they would be able to sue because you... It would be like if I, if I retired from my job and then someone was like, this job is now discriminating against me. I don't, I don't work in that organization anymore. I don't know if they can put themselves on that lawsuit, which is one of the other things that Mike Florian was talking about is that the span of this lawsuit is, is undetermined and a judge will have to determine where this lawsuit spans from. Does it span from the original day the NFL was created or I guess not then because I guess civil rights laws were put into place. But, but I guess like... Wouldn't it? When would it be when the... Rights Act, or when Rooney... Ruled. Well, no, because the Equal Rights Act... Oh, like is a law. Is a law within the United States. So yeah. if you're a business operating within the United States... You have to. Is, you have to abide by that. Mm-hmm. They put the Rooney rule in because they were going to get sued for the Equal yeah, Rights yeah, Act. Yeah, yeah, And they made it their own rule. Um, so I don't know when this will start... 
So that will also depend on, I think, who is able to join this. If they say, hey, this can only be from when the Rooney Rule started, then it will only be coaches that have been employed mm-hmm. within the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to first talk about this, we're going to talk about... I'm just going to go through some minority head coaches um, and talk to you about... We're just going to go through a couple minority head coaches and we're going to talk about their record. Uh, And we're going to start with Tony Dungy, Super Bowl winning coach. Uh, I would give him two Super Bowls. When was he active? Um, In the... 90? Okay. No, 2000s. Early 2000s. Because he came in... Because he left the Bucks in 2002 and joined the Colts. Because he joined Peyton Manning. Uh, so he, Coach Dungy, went 92-33 and 33 in seven seasons with the Colts. Wow. Uh, he made the playoffs every season and won Super Bowl... Four, yep, 41 with Peyton Manning. And he retired in 2008 uh, where Jim Caldwell replaced him. And we're going to talk about Jim Caldwell too in a second. But Coach Dungy is probably... I, th- I think it's between him and Mike Tomlin probably for the most successful African-American coaches in the NFL. Um, they might be missing someone. Uh, but those are like the two that always come to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Dungy's. A uh, huge proponent for the Rooney Rule. Um, a really good coach. Um, but I'm going to explain why we're talking about all these coaches okay. in a second. Okay. But um, the next coach we're going to talk about is Marvin Lewis, who coached with the Bengals in 2003. Uh, he was 8-8 eight eight in his first season. Uh he stuck around for 15 more. So he was their coach for 16 seasons. Wow. He was 131, 129, and 3. He never won a playoff game, but he went to the playoffs seven times. He never won a playoff game, but went seven times. Correct. Damn. So he made the playoffs seven times. Wait, sorry. What team was he with? The Bengals. The Bengals. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he was replaced by Zach Taylor, who's the current head coach. Okay. Um, and coming into this year, Zach Taylor was 16 and 32. Not good. Yes. Lovey Smith with the Bears. Um, uh, Lovey Smith went 84 and 66 with the Chicago Bears. He won Coach of the Year in 2005, maybe, two, maybe it was 2006. Um, he was 84 and 66, three postseason appearances. Um, Including when he lost in Super Bowl Forty One to mm. Tony Dungy. Mm. Um, the Bears went to a Super Bowl. Yes. Mm. And uh, he was replaced uh, by uh, Mark Trestman, who was a very bad coach. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm sensing a trend here. Well. Or, we're going to talk about other coaches like Dennis Green with the Cardinals. Um, 
he took over the Cardinals in 2004. He took over for Dave McGinnis, who had three consecutive losing seasons in the mm-hmm. desert. Uh, Green was 16-32 and 32 during his tenure and was replaced by Ken Wisenhunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romeo Cornell uh, was the coach of the Cleveland Browns. He's also been an interim coach a couple times. Um, he uh, went 24-20 and 20 with the Browns in four years, which was one of their best records for the time. Um, and then was replaced by uh, Eric Mangini, who went 10-22 and 22 in the following two seasons. Um, who else are we going to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about... Okay, we'll talk about Mike Tomlin. Uh, Mike Tomlin, his record to date... I was going to say, isn't he a current coach? Yes. Yeah. He's the only the, current the only, coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, prior to this season, uh, he is 162 90, and 93. He's the youngest coach in league history to win a Super Bowl. Uh, this was his 11th, 11th year in the Super Bowl. And he has had six... Er, this was 2007, so yeah. 16 straight win- non-losing seasons. So he's wow. gone 500 or better in every single season. Wow. Uh, and he's won uh, one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, he took over for Bill Cowher. Uh, well, Mike Singletary, talk about him because he was a 49ers coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he took over in the middle of the season for Mike Nolan, who was fired. Uh, he went five and four as the intern coach, and then he went eight and eight. Um, in his uh, next season, and then five started five and ten and was fired, and he was replaced by Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Uh, and then we'll talk about Jim Caldwell. Uh, this is one of the major ones that I'd like to talk about. Um, Jim Caldwell was uh, 28 and 24 with the Colts. Um, And then he went on to coach the Lions. um, Detroit Lions. Um, Oh, here we go. Um, He was, so in 2014, he was the first African American to be the head coach of the Lions. 2014. Okay. Um, in his first season, he went 11 and five. Um, he went 36 and 28 as the Lions head coach. And since then, the Lions have not won more than five games Mm -hmm. and he was fired. Mm -hmm. He was, he is one of the only coaches to be fired while having a winning record in his final season. Wow. Uh, and that was Jim Caldwell? It's still about Jim Caldwell, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, he was replaced by Matt Patricia. Um, Patricia! Who was a... He was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots. And he went 6-10, 3-12-1, 4-7. 
Those last, are his records. Last the- place in the NFC North. Last place in the NFC North. Last place in the NFC North. Three seasons in a row. Three seasons in a row. After having a winning record, they replaced him with someone mm-hmm. who got last place four, three seasons in a row and then was fired. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about Jim Caldwell because since he was fired from the Lions, he has never gotten an interview to be a head coach again. Even though he had a winning season. Even though he had a winning record. Or a winning record. With the Lions and the Colts. Mm-hmm. He has a winning record yeah. for his career. Uh, I mean, you look at him. 14-2, and 10-6, and 2-14. And, and then he went 11-5, and 7-9, and 9-7, nine, 9-7. And and He's 62-50. and 50. That's a that's a good record for a head coach. Mm-hmm. He's two and four in the playoffs. That's not bad, and he has never gotten another head coaching opportunity. Next, we're going to talk about Adam Gase. Uh, Adam Gase has had one winning season in his entire career. Is, and he, is he a white man? He's a white man. He went 10-6 and six with the Miami Dolphins in 2016 and lost his first game in the playoffs. He proceeded to go 6-10, 7-9, This is over the span of two different jobs. What do you mean two different jobs? So he was with the Dolphins from 2016 to 2018. Okay. He was also a a coordinator for a long time. Um, so he had one winning season. He went 6-10 and ten and then 7-9. and nine. Proceeding getting fired at 7-9, and nine, the New York Jets hired him for some reason. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. This man is a man with a losing record. Mm-hmm. You have Jim Caldwell available mm-hmm. at the same time. A guy with a winning record. Mm-hmm. You proceed to go nine and twenty-three over two years. You don't win ten games in two years. That's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got an interview the next year after being fired. Um, so basically, the NFL is racist. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't think it's that hard to make these connections. Yeah, because when you've had the amount of Black head coaches, like what? Um, since 2000, there's only been uh, 25, um, 25 black coaches since 2000. Of any... Of like, all teams. Of, but, like, head coaches or just, head like, coaches? coaches? Okay. Uh, so, in 22 years, there hasn't even been as many black head coaches as there are teams in the NFL in 22 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is just insane. I, I think it's a very easy case to make. And... I feel bad for Brian Flores because he is never going to have a job again in the NFL. 
with the caveat that if any team would ever sign someone that did this, it would be the Saints. I think the Saints also have a female owner. Uh, Why the Saints? Gail Benson, yeah. Uh, Because in 2010, maybe it was, The, there was a scandal called Bountygate, 2009. Bountygate? Bountygate. Um, it started in 2009. Um, it was very much evident in the Saints 49ers game in 2011. So that was the 2011 playoffs, so like 2010-11 season, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, when so basically the essence of this bounty gate scandal was that the Saints defensive coordinator was giving people money if they injured other player players on the other team. Like if you hit someone so hard that you took them out of the game, the other team stars, you would get bonuses. Oh my god. And so there's like liter like there's physical evidence of Saints players basically trying to kill Frank Gore, the 49ers uh-huh. running back yeah, at the remember. time, um, of them like literally trying to end his career. Oh my god. Um, and the Saints got fined, Sean Payton got suspended, they lost draft picks, they lost money, mm-hmm. It was they didn't have a coach for a year, um, Greg Williams, the coordinator, was fired. Um, there were federal court hearings. Uh, it was a large ordeal. Yeah. What the Saints believe, and specifically uh, Gail Benson, the owner, is that the Saints were screwed because they were a scapegoat for the NFL. They were the easiest team. So she's saying that this was happening elsewhere. I don't even think you could argue it wasn't. Oh. Uh, I don't know how many places it was happening, but like from everything I know, I don't. I think it's pretty hard to argue that this wasn't happening on multiple teams, if not most teams, in some sense or another. Maybe not to the extremes of the Saints, but defensive players were given incentives to hit people really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the reason that I say the Saints would be the only team to hire uh, Brian Flores would basically to be a big middle finger to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Because Gail Benson very much believes that the NFL has been trying to screw over the Saints ever since Bounty Gate. Um, which, take with a grain of salt, I don't really disagree with. Uh-huh. Um, you can look at a lot of plays that are like absurdly controversial calls that have like altered playoffs and Super Bowls that went against the Saints of like some of the most absurd things I've ever seen. Um, So I do think if anyone did it, it would be Gail Benson and the Saints just to give a middle finger to the NFL going, 
hey, you want to screw us for 10 straight years or 12 straight years, whatever it's been now, mm -hmm. we're going to hire the coach that's suing you. Okay. Um, but this episode is mostly to talk about the fact that in the NFL, there's clearly a huge problem with um, racial equity. I don't know if that would be the right word to use. Um, yeah. But, Just like having the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I, to be a coach. opportunity is clearly not a thing. And it's funny because you would think that has the league, like, at least in the past 20, 30 years, been dominated by black yes. men? So, like, all these former players... In the players, past, like, 50 years, okay. yes. Maybe more than that. So, all these former players do... Would you say, it like, if you're an NFL player, you would want to coach after you play? Like, uh, do you think... I'd say most wouldn't. Would not. But you also got to think there's, like, 7,000 players. Yeah. Like, so there's not going to be 7,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. players that want to become coaches. But, yes, they're, like, a lot of... Most former, like... I mean, it's, most coaches, I don't really know any coaches that didn't play football. Well, it's just funny level. to me that this, I mean, not funny, but this Rooney rule where you just have to interview them seems like such a cop-out. Yes. And it's just like, oh, well, we, we interviewed them and we gave them a shot and we didn't like them. So we fired them and hired this other guy. Who's, well, you don't need to fire them because you've never hired them. But I'm saying like, even in this case of like, where you were reading about all the black coaches with winning records that got fired, it's like... Obviously, there it wasn't because they weren't a good coach, you know, because they were. They proved they bless you. Thank you. They proved that they were good coaches. Yeah, but and so, I think a huge part of this case is going to be brought up about what the Giants did, and the, and this is something that's evident in the NFL. When owners fire a head coach or a general manager, what is widely accepted around the NFL is that 70 to 80% of these firings happen with the knowledge of who's going to replace them. Mm -hmm. The moment they're fired, they already know who's replacing them. Like Even there's transparency in the process. Yeah. They've already talked to the coach and they technically can't talk to the coach or the person who they're going to hire. Yeah. But they can talk to the coach's agent and say, Hey, uh, we were wondering if one of your clients, uh, who's a coach would be interested in coaching our team. We're thinking about making a change. And if the agent says no, then you don't fire your coach. Yeah. And if they say yes, then you fire your coach. And you go through your interview process all the while knowing who you're going to hire. And this is pretty widely accepted. Of oh, so happens. you're saying that they already know. They already they're going to go with if they're if they have their eye on this white guy, they already know where they're going with him. But they're like, oh, I have to interview this like this Asian person or this. Whatever, whoever, and not so, white person. Uh, Hugh Jackson was no. Who's Hugh Jackson? He was a coach. Uh, I thought you were gonna say Hugh Jackman. No, Hugh Jackson was a coach, and for a while he was known as the Rooney Rule guy. He would get every year there would be like, oh, there's six head coaching vacancies, and every one of them interviewed Hugh Jackson. None of them <gasps> hired him. No and he he, he basically was why didn't he sue I mean, he might I don't know he pro he didn't I would say he didn't sue because he wa he still wanted to coach in the NFL I think Brian Flores came to the conclusion 
I am not going to coach in the NFL anymore because I want to do this. I want to make it so there's actual yeah. equal rights for everyone. He probably sees like this higher purpose of I can make a change for all these other yes. young black kids. Wh- which is what he said in his statement about okay. why he's suing the NFL. But I think the big thing to talk about here is what happened between the Giants and Brian Flores. The New York Giants. The New York Giants. The New York Giants, as of a couple days ago, maybe it was even yesterday, um, or it was over the weekend, um, they they hired Brian Dayball. And I'm going to say all of this with the caveat that I don't think they shouldn't have hired Brian Dayball. He's a really good coach. I think he's an unbelievable coach. I think the problem is the way they did it. Um, and I don't know how much of what Brian Flores revealed was okay with Bill Belichick, but Brian Flores and Brian Dayball were... Brian Dayball was the offensive coordinator for Bill Belichick at one point, and Brian Flores was the defensive coordinator for Bill Belichick, both named Brian. Mm-hmm. Both interviewing for the New York Giants job. Brian this, Flores... Right, this past whatever yes. we're both interviewing. Yes. Okay. Brian Flores got a text from Bill Belichick saying somewhat of the extent of congrats. And Brian Flores said, what, did you hear something? And uh, Bill said, I heard the Giants are picking you. That's awesome as long as you want it. And... Brian Flores was said something of like, thanks coach, I really hope this is the right opportunity for me. I'm really, I really hope that this will work, blah, blah, blah. And then Brian Flores uh, texted back and said like, I, st- I don't have my interview till Thursday. And this was on like, um, like Monday or Tuesday. And Bill was like, oh, I thought you already interviewed with them. And Brian Flores texted Bill Belichick, do you mean to be email or texting Brian Dayball, not Brian Flores? And Bill responds like the next day and says, I'm so sorry. I read the name wrong on my phone. I thought I was texting Brian Dayball. My apologies. And well, so he hadn't even been interviewed, he and he would, and they were already know that they were going to give it to the other Brian. And there, will, there are lots of people online saying, "Well, this this isn't conclusory evidence. Like you don't know that this isn't anything that the New York Giants said." And I'll say, "Correct," but it's Bill fucking Belichick. He's not going to text someone, "Congrats on the job," unless he knows they got the job. And if anyone's going to know that someone got the job, it's Bill Belichick, especially with the Giants. He was a defensive coordinator with the Giants for a couple Super Bowls for like 20 years. He is very connected with the Giants and the Maras, the owners. And I guarantee you the Maras called Bill Belichick and said, hey, we really want to hire Brian Dayball. Tell us if you think that's a good idea because they really trust Bill Belichick. And I guarantee you Bill Belichick said... Brian Dayball's a really good coach because he knows he's a really good coach. So uh, you're all of this to say that Bill Belichick is not at fault in this scenario. No, like he Bill made Belichick a mistake. Made a mistake. Texted the wrong person. Yes. I, 
he probably has both of their names as he's Brian. He's like an eighty-year-old man. Like he probably has both of their names as Brian in his phone. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, I got a call from the from the Mara saying that they're going to hire Brian Dayball." Types in Brian, clicks on the first yeah. name, happened to be Brian Flores. Yeah. None of this is Bill Belichick's fault. Okay. Uh, but it is to say that I one hundred percent believe that the New York Giants. Had, had already hired been. Brian Dayball before they interviewed Brian Flores, and yeah. it just hap- just so happens that they needed to interview a minority candidate mm-hmm. to comply with the Rooney Rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just if you think about any other job, like at least I mean, I guess it's like a privately owned thing, so they don't necessarily have to. But like, I'm sure that. Like, at a city or county or state or federal level, like, you have to have a certain amount. Like, there's quotas, kind of, you know? Of, like, how many people that are, like, disabled or whatever. And I feel like even now, like, at private companies, they're, like, DEI, like, diversity, equity, inclusion is, like, a huge part of, like, what companies are trying to, like, weave into their culture. So it's just, like... And the NFL is huge. It's literally, like, the most American... Which, I mean, doesn't... <laughs> I mean, this is pretty American when you think about it, um, unfortunately. But, like, I don't know. It's just sad. It's just really sad. And these rules are stupid. Yeah. And I'd also like to say, like, th- this is the biggest point for me. I completely believe if you're an NFL team, you should be hiring the most qualified individual. Whether yeah. he's white, black... Hispanic, Middle Eastern, African, Australian, Russian, Israeli. I, don't, I couldn't care. You should be hiring the most qualified candidate. But I don't think you can say that for every one black qualified candidate, there are 50 white qualified candidates yeah. in the NFL that is 70% black. Yeah. I think it is a very easy case to go, hey, if you flipped a coin, because I'd say it's probably 50-50 people in the coaching world who are F, like non-white versus white. Mm-hmm. It's probably 50-50 of like qualified head coaches. Mm-hmm. It might be more non-white. It might be like 60-40. Mm-hmm. Uh, like candidates or interested people? Is that what you're saying? People who are qualified to be a head coach. I see, I see. Like if people who are qualified to be yeah. a head coach, I'd say it's around 50-50 between white and uh-huh. non-white. Um, and when you go, okay, well, for every one black person that's hired, there are 50 white people that are so hired. So it doesn't add up. If you're saying that it is equal opportunity, you have to say, oh, because it's 50-50 then it should be 50-50. Yeah. But you're saying, oh, it's 50-50, but it's 1-50. to Uh-huh. It doesn't add up. It's clear that they have a major problem, and I'm really happy that Brian Flores is suing them because they're getting what they deserve. They have this very flawed system. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that, like, not more people talk about, like, this rule. Like, this is... I just, it, the rule itself is so flawed because it's so easy to get around. It is flawed but and easy to get around, but 
I would ask you, because I've thought about this a long time, how would you change it? Like, what would you say? Because at the end of the day, you can't, unless you're putting every one of these owners on a lie detector test and saying, do you think the white coach was better than the black yeah. coach? You can, the, they can just say, well, when we interviewed them, we thought this was going to be the better coach. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the hard thing, right? You can't just, you can't really just trust them to yeah. make the right decision. Like, because people aren't that. colorblind. They're going to see color. It's going to impact their decision probably in some way, especially if you're like a white person in a place of power who's like probably benefited from being white. You're like, just, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know how I would personally change it. I have no clue because you can't just say, oh, you but actually you can't hire. hire this white coach who you think is like, not even you think who has proven to be maybe a better coach or like whatever yes. because you need to hire someone who's not white but there is there does have to be some i feel like there does have to be some yes. accountability to like not make decisions solely based on oh you're white i'm gonna take you but i'm gonna interview him just yeah. for my for pr or whatever and i i think this comes down to i'll, I'll break it down to this if Mike Tomlin got fired tomorrow, mm -hmm. he would have 25, at minimum, 25 job opportunities. There aren't 25 coaching vacancies. Mm -hmm. There would be by tomorrow afternoon. He's a black coach, mm -hmm. but he is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to get across is there is an unwritten rule in the NFL that if you're good, we ignore everything. And it goes for players too. Antonio Brown mm. has been sued like 40 times in the last three years. But guess what? He's a really fucking good wide receiver. So we don't care. Wait, so is Brian Flores not a good, like not a great coach? Like, is that why he does Like, would he, he didn't, well, did he have other job opportunities after being fired from the Dolphins? Not that I know of. Well, he was interviewed by the Giants. Well, yeah. It doesn't seem like that was a real thing. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if we'll ever know if he yeah, actually yeah, yeah. real, unless he gets a job somehow. Uh -huh. Um, but my correlation to this is that if you are not really good at your job, mm -hmm. then they are going to take the person that fits their norm more. So mm -hmm. within players, that's the person who is less distracting or specifically this year, the person who was vaccinated, because guess what? If you're vaccinated more likely you can play on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And what this equivalents to me within coaching is that if you're a really good black head coach, you're going to get jobs. If you're a mediocre head, black head coach, somewhere middle of the road, someone like a Jim Caldwell. If you're someone who's has a winning record, you've never really, you've never won a Super Bowl, you've never been far in the playoffs, but you've been a solid head coach you're going to get overlooked for the white head coach that's, that's just a solid head coach. That just that's solid just white head coach. mediocre enough yeah, to be Just like, around meh, you. Yeah. They're going to get those extra opportunities that you never get if you're, mm -hmm. if you're a minority. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, for everyone who says like, oh, well, you don't know what the owners think. Well, we do know what owners think. Because Cal McNair, he's dead now, but he literally said, if I could have... 53 white players on my team, I would. And he also Wait, said who did he, what team he was the Texans owner, and now his son owns the team. Probably a great guy. 
being very facetious. Okay, there. yeah, I was like, I feel like we need to clarify that you're not siding with the son of the white supremacist. <laughs> he, he, he was quoted saying... The son or the dad? The dad. We can't let the inmates run the prison. Talking about oh. his players on his team. Wow. And whether you want to say, well, like, hey, like, you're saying, like, we need the coaches to be in charge. When, when like, 80% of your team is black and, like, 80% of uh-huh. uh, people incarcerated in America are black. Yeah. You don't have to make the – you don't have to be intentionally stereotyping. You are. Yeah. And this is not to say that every owner is yeah. racist or whatever. Yeah. Um, like, you can look at a lot – like – I'd say the Pittsburgh Steelers, their owners, couldn't care less because they genuinely just want to win. Like they are one of those organizations that goes, "We'll take someone from fucking Mars if they can win a Super Bowl." Like they really don't care. Mm-hmm. They only care about Super Bowls. But there are teams and owners who do care about this stuff, and whether they will ever admit it or not, their actions have shown. That when you hire white coach after white coach after white coach and white GM after white GM after white GM, there is systemic racism in that because you're mm-hmm. not giving equal opportunity. When you have, when you, because these people come out and say, we really liked what Brian, how Brian Flores interviewed. We really liked how Hugh Jackson interviewed. We really liked how Eric Bieniemy interviewed. Uh, but we decided to do another way. Guess what? If you do that every single time you have a hiring process, yeah. it's not just random at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's something that is really real. And I think it's something that really will put the NFL in a bind. Because I really think that he that Brian Flores has a really good case to make. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone who made this case, I don't even think he needs the stuff about the Giants. The stuff about the Giants is just like icing on the top for mm-hmm. me. That's the cherry on top. You've already got your whipped cream. Like, it is too obvious that there is a problem. Mm-hmm. There is too much like open racism from owners. There's, there's too clear a line of, hey, why do only white people get hired as head coaches? And that's, like, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying you shouldn't hire a white coach. But at a certain point, you have to ask, hey, why are there only white head coaches? I feel like this conversation runs really deep. Like, this, like, it could go for so long. And it is true in, like, pretty much every, like, institution in the United States and probably in most, like, white Euro, like, Euro, you know, countries. But... It's and I, I, I do think the one thing that I will say about the Rooney rule that I do think they need to improve. Mm-hmm. And Chris Sims talks about this a lot. If you are starting with an NFL team. Like as, a, in, as a player? No, as in on the on what would be considered a coaching tree. You're starting oh, as like entry level or whatever. Probably like you're entering in something like video and audio. Um, and you're basically like going through the film from last week and cutting oh, clips and being okay. like, okay, these are all the clips for the defensive line. Yeah. These are all the clips for the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And you're going through that. You're making about $14,000 a year. What? Yeah. Most people can't live off that. But guess yeah. what? Really rich white people whose dads uh, are friends with the owners. Their dads are the owners. Yeah. <laughs> 
their dads are very well or their families are very wealthy. Yeah, like, the women can carry the money too, yes. not just the dads. Well, there's, just, there's only two female owners <laughs> yeah, 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 in the yeah, NFL, yeah. so yeah. they're going 30 for 32 yeah. here. Uh, but they're the ones who can get these jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's, pre- it's, it's not like you can just apply and be like, I'd like to be the head coach. And they're like, what's your experience? And you're like, nothing, because I couldn't take a job that paid me $14,000 yeah. a year. Yeah. I had to pay for myself. Yeah. I didn't have family. That's like, that's, hor- that's horrible. Yes. And so it, it is a major problem. And that's what they need to change. They need to change it so that these people at the bottom rungs of the NFL, I mean, fucking Christ, they're getting like hundreds of billions of dollars just from the gambling revenue from the last year. Like, yeah. They, they're grossing so much Like, these money. companies are making so much money. You can pay your employees a living wage. Mm-hmm. Like, in, in forcing these teams to pay their employees a living, like, a, a decent salary will, one, get rid of, like, this absurd nepotism yeah. that's in the NFL. And also, like, expand their diversity. Because when you're paying people a living wage more people can apply for that job. Yeah. It's hard to apply for a job where you go, hey, I'm going to be working at this job that pays me $14,000 a year, and there's a 0.1% chance that I ever make over like $50,000 a year yeah. in this career path. I think I need to go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, it could take me 15 years before I'm making like $30,000. That's an, I didn't know that it started that It starts really low. low. And... I, I will never be able to prove this, but I think they do that because they want to pick who comes in. They want to make sure they it's are... It's not a bad society. theory, I feel like, you know. But yeah, I feel like that's that's kind of what... Um, I mean, I, I mostly have experience with in academia, obviously, but I feel like the topic of like unpaid internships, it's like... If, like, for me, my parents, you know, support me and have supported me. So I was able to take unpaid internships because I wasn't paying my way through school. I wasn't really relying on myself for anything financially. Whereas if you're, you know, lower lower income and your parents can't afford to, you're not going to be able to get those opportunities. And so you're automatically going to be going into the job market at a lower experience level which is just it's it's this nasty cycle that i yeah. feel like we're that the nfl is also seeing i mean i think i think it, it is true and it's not just in academia in the NFL. yeah it's everything. it's everywhere yeah and i think that's like one of the huge things that we miss with this like equal opportunity idea is that we think everyone should have an equal opportunity for these like great jobs but we're not giving equal opportunity to, to get every to step jobs. of the way like mm-hmm. You can say like, oh, everyone should have like equal opportunity to become an NFL head coach. But guess what? Not everyone has equal opportunity to become a high school head coach mm-hmm. or a college head coach or someone in any part of like general management scouting departments. Like mm-hmm. you have you have to move up in these fields to get to these jobs that we're giving equal opportunity for. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to say, well, I think uh, the CEO of like uh, Chase Bank should have equal opportunity, but like no one below that. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be like also pushing diversity into all of those avenues. And, mm-hmm. like, I think it's like a huge part that as America we miss is that like just because you have equal opportunity to to when you get to a job doesn't mean you have equal opportunity to get to that job. Yeah. And I think that's like a major part of like where 
the NFL especially needs to change and like probably lots of parts of this country need to change. Probably almost every part yeah. of this country. Yeah. I kind of think about that a lot too with like college admissions and affirmative action. Like, yeah, like you ha- if you have, you know, we're going to have like this many qualified black students or whatever, but then like their primary school and their high schools are failing them. Yeah. They're not going to get and they can't pay for and they, tutors. Yeah. And it's not that they just they can't just pay for tutors. They can't pay for tutors and instead of going home and doing homework, they're, they're going to McDonald's and, and working till midnight and yeah. then they're taking a 2-hour bus ride home. They get home at 2 a.m. and then they have to get up at 5 a.m. or earlier to get on a bus to get back to school yeah. to go take another bus to get to work to go home. Yeah. I feel like it's at the support at every every rung of the ladder, every step of the way. That's really like. And I, I think if you if you bridge those gaps and mm-hmm. you make the lower level stuff more accessible, accessible and like equal. Yeah. You don't. You no longer need to make those higher levels mm-hmm. equal because they will naturally become equal mm-hmm. when everyone has an equal opportunity to get good grades and have help getting like getting the help they need with their academics and don't have to be worrying about 700 other things Mm -hmm. then you're not going to need equal like to to like balance the scales going into college admissions because the scales will have balanced themselves yeah i agree but maybe that's what we'll do on the off season we'll keep track of where this class action suit goes we will definitely keep track of it um yeah i have other things planned for this off season um we'll have some like fun little first time hearing of this Um, well in other news tom brady retired (laughs) so uh, a lot of other a lot of a lot of big (laughs) news yeah he fooled the internet for like a whole day Everyone thought he was retiring. Then he wasn't. Maybe. Then he was. Now he is. For I, sure. I, I think this is... Um, this is pretty funny because... Um, Adam Schefter was the one who announced Tom Brady is retiring. And Adam Schefter... Is... For lack of a better term, he is a ventriloquist's dummy. Mm. Um, and, I mean, fair play to him. He's, like, one of the most fucking successful media journalists for the NFL. I don't even... You couldn't even call him a journalist, though. He doesn't... He isn't a journalist. He just... He just copy and pastes what people text him and posts it for them. And, like... He, like, always is, like, he, he, it's basically, like, oh, Adam Schefter tweeted something, like, ten within the next 20 minutes, it's going to become official. Mm-hmm. And this was, like, the first time it didn't, which mm-hmm. is really funny because he's been doing all this stuff for, uh, for Don Yee, who is um, Tom Brady's agent. He also happens to be Jimmy Garoppolo's agent. Um, and Jimmy's gone, too. And uh, he's been doing all these favors for Don Yee. And then he he clearly got news that Brady was retiring. Clearly wasn't supposed to say it. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. Did it, and then Tom and Don Yee clearly gave him a little, "Hey, buddy, you're cut." 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, other news, Brady retires. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is going to be traded. Yeah. Uh, officially. Um, I don't know, a lot of people have been throwing Tampa Bay out now that Tom Brady's retired. I think that's actually What do you mean throwing them out? Like, as a team that might trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, huh. I can see it. Yeah. I mean, it's... Um, good luck, Tampa Bay. Uh, Steelers are another possibility because Big Ben retired. Mm-hmm. Um, some people were saying the Packers. I don't really see the Packers um, on, like, the basis that... I think we all know Aaron Rodgers. I think we all assume that Aaron Rodgers is going to say, I want to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe the Packers, but I think you got to. I mean, it's year three of Jordan Love. You kind of have. <laughs> you spent like a good amount of picks on him. You, you kind of yeah. got to figure out if he can play quarterback. Uh, but, I mean, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have more time to talk about stuff. And we'll. Uh, We'll talk about our, our picks from this last weekend sometime later. We won't do it on this episode. Um, yeah. the There's a bye. So, Pro Bowls this weekend. Probably we won't. What's this weekend? The Pro Bowl. Never heard of it. Oh. Well, it is happening. Sean's being facetious again. He hates Pro Bowl. But... I, just, I didn't know they're, they're bringing out fans to play in a football game. That's cool. Anyhow... <laughs> Um, this episode's already a little long, so we'll cut it there. Um, any, any last parting words, Sean? Um, no. I, I America really have, sucks. I don't really have anything else to say. Um, really, very, like, mixed emotions for Brian Flores today. Really proud mm-hmm. of what he did, but also, um. Sucks because I think he's a really good head coach and I really liked him as a coach. Yeah. So, but I think he did the right thing. We love you, Brian Flores. Yeah. <laughs> Just become a Brian Flores podcast. Yeah. <laughs> a fan podcast. Fan, fan podcast. Just documenting Brian Flores. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, we'll be back, I believe. Did we talk about Yeah, we talked about We know the winner of that. Yep. Yeah. Talked about it. Thanks for bringing it back up. Bye, 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 bye.